Pasha's Pinchas starts off with, a, with the Pasha's Bullock and in the middle of a story. Right? It's the famous uh, debate um, if, the, if this parish is all the way in the beginning because it's something we should all learn from, all be Kanoam, uh, all, all emulate Pinchas and be a Kanoi, or in the other way around, maybe the, really the reason why the story was put to the end of a parasha was because it was a little hidden and it's not for everyone. Okay, but that's a, a well known debate. But how Kanoas works is something that we could definitely learn from this parasha. And there's a word from Rebitzical Vorker. He says on the Pusik, Pinchas is going to lose him now on the coin. Aisha was Chamusi, Mabinai. So the Kanis Kanusi Besoichon. Right, so Rashi already tries to understand what that means. Bakanis um, kenusi, you know. But but the words besoicham. What does it mean besoicham? So he explains besoicham means that sometimes you have somebody who's very, who's a big kanoi, right? He, he's he's very um, outspoken. He knows how to be moich when something's no good. He knows how to put people down for it. He knows how to be machiach. He's very uh, on top of things. You know, he notices when people do things wrong, which is wonderful. You need someone like that. But that automatically removes him from them, and then he can't associate with them, and then he's, he's not one of them anymore. Because now he, he's being very critical. He's noticing all their faults. So the true way of Kanuz, which is what we see by Pinchas, was that he was Mekanis Kanusi, but Besoicham. He was still one of them. He was still able to be Ba'achdes, Ba'hava, with Yiddish Shekinder. And that's why Takav Lechlis is B'nai Yisrael B'Kanusi. That's why you know, Yidin still had a Kiyam. The Kanuz wasn't against them, it was with them, it was helping them, and yes, it was pointing out where they should be doing things better. You know, so this is definitely something um, that that we could all learn from. Let's, let's put it like that. You know, you, to, to, to not to not become an enemy with somebody that you're trying to uh, discipline. And I think the first part that, that the first place where this is so relevant is when it comes to chinuch. And there's definitely a, a, a lot a lot of discipline when it comes to chinuch. Definitely a lot of, of techocha when it comes to chinuch. It's not a question. Right? right? You should say you should hit a child. You should teach a child. You should rebuke a child. Not a question. Not a question. If everything he does is always good and everything is always a compliment and he never does anything wrong, you're never going to teach him. Who's that going to get you? Who's that going to get him? But to be able to discipline and rebuke and point out when somebody's doing something wrong and still be together and still be close and not, and not have the child feel removed or, or uh, you know, ogifraked by you, that's definitely something you should, that you should always uh, learn from and try to keep in mind. So, you know, obviously it has to do with, the, with how you balance it out, the ratio of compliments versus criticism. It has to do with how you criticize, if you get too personal or not. It has to do with if you... Um, I, wouldn't, I don't know if the word is mom is justified, but you understand, you understand the child and why he did something wrong, you're not upset at him, and you're not uh, wondering, you're just, you're just pointing it out, you're being very clear about it. There's a lot of ways to make sure that you're not being removed from a child, or from anyone for that matter, it could be a spouse as well, uh, by pointing out something that, that, is, that is sort of taken. It's not a question that things have to be pointed out. I want to mention a, a situation over here. Um, I did have a little background understanding of what's going on over here, but I'm going to try to read the question and hope that it comes across clear. Okay. I have a question. My son has been having a lot of difficulty going to yeshiva and staying there for a full day. He suffers from anxiety and gets so stressed out that more often than not, he comes, out, he comes home after an hour or two and, and, and rarely stays for the full day. I have a policy with him that he can't use the computer during yeshiva hours. Firstly, so that there should be a gather with the computer usage, screen time, video, uh, games and videos, and also being that he has a tendency to miss from yeshiva a lot, it shouldn't be extra it's a hard for him to want to come home. However, I became very uncomfortable with this, and I think that it might be the wrong approach with him. First of all, he feels, even after I explained it to him, that it's a punishment for him not being in yeshiva, and I interpret it as him feeling that I see him as doing something bad and wrong, and that he's a failure, which is definitely not good for him. Secondly, when he's home, he does almost nothing, and he's probably going nuts. There isn't much that he has interest in doing, and I have nothing to replace the screen with. 
My feeling is my feeling is that he's not, that he never can handle being in yeshiva. And it's not his fault. Why should he have to stay home and feel punished and tortured with nothing to keep him entertained for hours on end? Would you agree that my rule doesn't fit my son, and I should be more permissive in this in this regard? Hoping to hear from you. Hoping to hear your answer. Thanks. Okay. So just to, just to make sure that it's understood, you're talking about a, a bacher actually. I, I see that part wasn't wasn't clear. Uh, a bacher, already by mitzvah, has a hard time staying in yeshiva, suffering from anxiety, um, not being too successful. I guess it's normal for a boy to feel somewhat like a failure sitting at home. And now the question goes: I let him sit, Should I let him sit on the computer all day, or not let him and just let him go crazy and, and feel, uh, let's say, punished or feel bad about what he's doing? So it's a good question. It's a very good question. Now, the first thing I want to point out is that this is definitely an out-of-the-ordinary situation. Now, you might be wondering why am I discussing an out-of-the-ordinary situation in a public shear. And the answer is because it's not as out-of-the-ordinary as you think. What I want to, what I, what I, what I want to explain with that is that um, it's very ordinary to have out-of-the-ordinary situations. We all do. It's just important to remember when something's out-of-the-ordinary and when something is ordinary. So if, if, it, if, you, if you are... Um, presented with an out-of-ordinary out situation, which means that it's not normal, it's not the, the normal way of things happening, you should understand, yes, this is out-of-the-ordinary. What do you do when you're dealing with an out-of-the-ordinary situation? And interestingly, we all went through the corona season, let's hope that it's past us, Mr. Shem, and that was definitely out-of-the-ordinary situation. So it's always, under, it's always important to understand, yes, I'm dealing with something that, that doesn't go necessarily exactly according to the rules, so what do I do now? Because uh, that's something that... Uh, and, and that's first of all. Second of all, I, I want anyone listening to what I'm going to say now to understand that, and that's why I'm pointing it out, this is out of the ordinary. So anything that we're going to be discussing is for out of the ordinary, and you shouldn't necessarily be applying it you know, to a typical situation. Now, when, it comes, when things are out of the ordinary, it's already hard to start applying information that you know, because a lot of the information you were told, or a lot of the information that you have, or a lot of the guidance you got was for ordinary situations. So again, it's very important, that part. Something's out of the ordinary, you have those people who say, well, I was taught this way. This is how we're going to do things. So, you know, so this is an exception to the rule. I don't know what exceptions mean. There's no exception. This is the rule. And that's not good. Then you have people who decide on their own what to do in the exception because now it's an exception. So in exceptions, you know, we don't do things the regular way. I mean, it's important to get guidance and make sure you're applying um, the, right, the right ideas to the right, to the right situations. Not every, not every exception should be dealt with without any rules. So that's also important. And then there's the chachm of knowing how to apply something correctly to an out-of-the-ordinary situation and then snapping back out of it or, or letting, making sure that it's only, you know, and not, and not becoming the norm. That's a very important thing. Um, interestingly, right, um, Chazal teaches that over Vashun and Asaketer, what happens is somebody, unfortunately, Chazal does Navaira, he does it once, twice, and Asaketer becomes normal. It's a problem. You don't want things that, that unfortunately happened or are unfortunate to happen, or even when they're necessary to happen, let's call it, um, to become a norm. You want to stop that. The Mishnah says that. Uh, that if somebody sees that the Yitzhah is being misgabbed on him, what should he do? Yil v'shchoyrem, and Yisasek v'shchoyrem, and he should go to Mukum Shamakira Noisai, he should go far away, and he should dress in unrecognizable clothing, he should do what he does, and then he comes back. Why is that? It's because it shouldn't become normal. If you, if you see, and, and again, this is a very tricky topic to, to be able to decide on your own that I can't control myself now, this is a situation where I'm not in control anymore. You're not in control, run far away, and go out of the neighborhood, and dress differently, and do what you got to do, and come back, and be normal again. Don't make this a norm. Don't do something now, because out of, you're, you're impulsive or compulsive, and, and you can't control yourself. You can do something that's going to label you different. Don't do that. Don't, don't make it normal for you. Very important point. And I'll tell you the same thing as with children. If you see a child doing something, I'm talking now, and, 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 you know, it happened already. Not, not because you wanted it. You see, you know a child did something wrong. Very often people are tempted to 
prove to children and to show them, I know everything you're doing. I, I, I caught you. I spied on you. I figured it out. And this is something I, I'm appreciative to Dr. David Lieberman who, who taught me this point and then I've seen it many times how relevant it was. When you tell a child or anyone for that matter, it could be a spouse, you'd say, I know exactly what you did. You think I don't know? I know. I caught you with that. What you just did was you made that child realize that that became uh, almost normal or expected for him because you anyway know that he did it. So why, why not do it again? I, I don't have that clean slate by you anymore. Now, of course, obviously, if no one on how to do such a thing, right? You don't want to let a child get away with everything and make believe you don't know anything and there's no accountability. It's good when children know that you're on top of them and watching them and, and they can't, do, I can't hide from parents too often. But there's something about knowing when and what. This, in this situation, I'm not going to say that I know it because I don't want you to feel comfortable with it. I want you to bounce back. I want you to have where to come back to. If you tell somebody I was watching you when you didn't think so and I saw you do this and that, you violated the, you know, some red lines over there, you don't want them to say, oh, okay, so I don't have what to come back to. I anyway, don't have that, that clean slate by you. That's a very important point. And I think it goes so, so well with this, with this mission of, you know, and come back and nobody, nobody should know that this was your past or this is something that you know. So that's just, uh, just an idea that I think people should know about when it comes to out of the ordinary situations. Don't let them become ordinary. And if you ever break in the rule, either because you're in a different situation, a different environment, or for whatever reason, something came up, a circumstance, let, let it be known to you and to your children sometimes that this is what we're doing now because of this. And I've seen many people when it came to corona, um, and they bent some rules because we're home and we need more entertainment, or you know we have to come on to different ways to deal with things now because of the situation, because we can't get and then And then certain things became normal, and it's very hard to pull back on that. And you have the same thing, unfortunately, when somebody's going through a machla or a sickness or, you know, or a situation where things are done differently... And then, yeah, you know why with this kid we do things differently because he was once sick and we had to, you know, go against our principles and the, and the standards and that's why since then, you know, our home became a different home. It's a problem. I know it's not easy. But it's important when, you, when you're doing something that's an exception, you remember and let other people remember this is an exception. There's an exception. Now we're doing it this way because this is what happens. And it's shame we're going to stop doing things like this. And it's not, it's not the way it should be. So that's a very, a very important thing to remember. Now, um, special kids, special needs kids, and they're special. Special needs kids that have special needs, and you're, and you're giving them their special needs, it's important to remember that it's being done for this reason. Now, they, they might need it. And again, there's something you could ask someone about. Am I doing the right thing with this child? But it, it's important to, to remember that. They, need, they might need special treatment. And part of special treatment is that they should feel special. Now, sometimes we think that a special needs child, because he has special needs, whatever they may be, I'm going to start breaking all the rules and giving him everything he needs. That's not what he needs. That's not always what he needs. Now, sometimes he does. Sometimes circumstance demands it, but that's not always what a child needs. Often what a child needs, and this is what I say, that they're called special needs, right? You know what special needs means? They need to feel special. A special needs child is a child who needs to feel special. And when you make a child feel special, it doesn't necessarily have to do with what you give him or let him do or let him break rules or let him do things that aren't the way they should be. It's, it's letting him feel special. And that's just a, a thought, something to think about. And people get resentful sometimes. Oh, I'm giving him so much already. Well, he needs a lot. He needs to feel very special. I was just recently talking to someone who, um, you know, he had this issue where his child had some special needs that were costing money. Costing money was important in order to make this feel, child feel special. It wasn't, it wasn't the money. It was, it, was, it was spending the time with him. And spending the time with him costed money. It costed money because, you know, spe- making time for him was costing money. Okay, time is money. And, 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 and that's just how things worked out there. Um, and he was saying, you know, this kid already cost me so much money. I pay for his tutor, and I pay for his this, and, and he has, you know, whatever medical condition, whatever it is, that's costing so much money. I'm going to start spending money, spend time with him also? I mean, isn't there a limit? The answer is no, this is the child that needs it. This is the one I need. Don't get resentful at him, or on him, or toward him, because he's costing money. He's costing money because he's special needs. 
You know, it's just important to remember that he's the one that needs it most. If you have to cut the budget somewhere, you know, you have to defund someone, it shouldn't be him. Now, I know, I don't like giving advice that costs money. I tell people all the time. I like giving free advice. You know, it doesn't cost you anything. But sometimes, you just have to remember that based on his needs, this is, what, this is what's needed. And it's not something to be resentful about. So getting back to our question over here with the computer usage, okay, that was all just an, uh, an introduction. I, I think it's okay to want to have limits on a computer. I don't think it has to be justified. I don't think it has to be explained. Now, there's something you get defensive. Um, you know, just from reading the letter here, um, I have a policy that you can't use the computer. Firstly, so that there should be a gather with the usage. And also, you don't have to start explaining it, first of all. And also, you know, just mentioning over here, also something like, after I explained it to him, he still feels, you don't always have to explain things. When you start explaining things, you start giving different excuses. Uh, people say, there's two reasons why, why somebody does something. There's a reason he tells you, and there's the real reason. You know, everyone has two reasons. If you have two reasons, it's no good. I say, well, if you want your son not to have, not to use a computer too much, that's fine. You're worried he might think it's a punishment. Well, what does that do with punishment? It's okay to have a policy, and it's okay to say it very clearly, and it doesn't have to be explained or defended, or, or, or you, know, you, you don't have to feel weak. You don't have to feel defensive when you're just saying something that's very simple, it's very straightforward. It is, it is straightforward, and it's okay to tell a child, you know, this, is how, this is what I'm comfortable with. Now, I'm, I'm not saying this is how it should be done. It could be things over here have to be taken into account, the fact that he might need more. But the fact that you have a policy doesn't, it's not something you should have to, you should feel uh, they have to defend your position and maybe in this case, uh, it's, okay, it's okay to be comfortable with something. You're a parent and it's okay to, to know what you like and what you want and, and, and say it in a very nice way. Say it in a very, you know, it, it's, it's important. Now, when a child's staying home from yeshiva or from Chayda, and I say this often to parents, I, have a, I get a call at least once a week. Uh, my, my, at least once a week, my, my kid doesn't want to go to school, my kid doesn't want to go to Chayda, my kid doesn't want to go to yeshiva, and I'm going, you know, when a kid's, when a kid's in, a, in, a, in, a, in a situation, or you know, for whatever reason he's stuck, he, he can't go, he can't go. Either because he's afraid he's going to be bullied, or because he doesn't like the learning, or whatever it is, it's okay to make a kid feel validated, that you understand why he doesn't want to go, you understand that it's hard for him to go. He does not feel it's justified, he does not feel that it's good not to go. He doesn't feel that it's okay not to go. He still doesn't have to feel like a failure and an idiot because you understand him. It's a very fine line. You know, recently I was dealing with, with a situation also that um, somebody's child was having some bias problems. Okay? And, and coming complaining about a spouse. Now very often, parents are, are tempted to say, what do you mean? Um, you know, make it work. Uh, what's with you? Why are you complaining? This, this is ridiculous. This is not a good, it's not a good complaint. You shouldn't be complaining about such a thing. And they could be right. They could be right. You know, someone's young and they got married. They're, they're being irresponsible. Parents want to open their eyes. But a, a child needs validation from parents. Who who is this child going to get the validation from? Who's going to understand him or her when he complains or she complains that she's not happily married? Who who, who are they going to get that from? Only from parents. So then, do I go the other way and say I understand you? You fell in? No, of course not. You have not to validate someone without justifying what they're doing. I understand it's hard for you. I don't think badly of you. I don't look down at you. It's it's, it's challenging. I understand it. Do I think it's right now to um, go for divorce, or to stay home from yeshiva? No, not necessarily. Very often we're tempted to, either, to go one way or the other, either explain why it's wrong, or actually make it feel very comfortable, know that it's okay. There's, there's, a, there's something in between. I understand it's hard for you to go to Chayda. You don't have to, if you can't. Um, you know, it's definitely the right thing to do, and I'll be happy if you do, and I'll give you an incentive to And if you can't, then maybe one, maybe one day you'll stay home. Now, you don't want to make the kid feel too comfortable at home, you don't want to start serving three gourmet meals and the kid should be tempted to stay home even more, right? So you let a kid stay home and he's a little bored and he, you know, he doesn't feel so great about himself, but nobody put him down. And rarely, rarely will he stay a second day at home. I've seen this many times. You have, you have to know how to make him feel understood, not make him feel too comfortable, and, and, and let him deal with it. It's okay. 
you don't have to make them feel too comfortable either. So if you're afraid that your policies and your principles are making your kids feel like a failure, it doesn't have to be that way. You're allowed to communicate, um, I feel comfortable, I think the right thing to do is to not use a computer more than three hours a day, or two hours a day, or whatever it is. That's just how I feel, nothing to do with you. I understand this hard for you, I feel bad for you. That's first of all. It, there's something about not understanding someone and, and still communicating in, in a normal, healthy way. I, I, think, I think very often that's fine. Now, if, like we said before, a kid has special needs, he has, he has to feel special. Now, not always, and sometimes, yeah, but not always, doesn't mean that you're going to stop giving him what he needs or what he's asking for. You want to make you feel special? And that's true, when I come home from work, we'll go swimming for an hour, 6 p.m. Now, if a kid says, but I want to go um, 2 p.m., or I want to go 11 a.m., and you say, you know, I don't think it's right. I don't think the right thing to do is in the time of yeshiva hours to go swimming. It doesn't mean that you're a failure. It means that, you know, I feel the right thing to do is to go in the afternoon. That's it. You don't have to go into... A lot of times you, 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 you're tempted to explain yourself and to answer, and especially when you start asking, oh, because you're not... No, it's okay, he understands. Children understand more than you think. When children and adults, same thing, they start challenging you. It's not because they don't understand. You have to start explaining it again. And usually the more you explain it, the more frustrated they get. Why? I'm explaining it more. Why is he getting more frustrated? The answer is, he knows it. He's just arguing with you because he doesn't feel, he doesn't feel good. He doesn't, he doesn't like what you're saying. So instead of trying to debate and make him feel stupid by not understanding it, then the more you explain it, the more irrational and illogical he's coming across and the more frustrated he's getting. This is how I feel and I can't wait to go with you swimming 6 p.m. There's only ways to make a kid feel good without necessarily giving him the message that it's okay to just chuck the whole yeshiva system and he doesn't have to go and, and you're going to do whatever it takes to make him feel good and, and he doesn't have to want to go to yeshiva either. No, there's a balance. There's a balance. Now, if you feel that for whatever reason he should be using the computer because he tucker doesn't have what to do, well, even to that, you could, you, could start a, you could tell him what you are okay with him watching, what not. It's something more educational, something more inspirational, something more spiritual, something more, um, you know, not such time-wasting, not so addictive. That's fine. It's fine to, you know, to, to have your guidelines. And it shouldn't project, it shouldn't say anything about him. And as a matter of fact, if you want to make sure that he doesn't think you, that you feel he's a failure, tell it to him. Tell it to him. I know it's hard for you. You're not a failure. I believe in you. Things will be good. You're, 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 you're a brucher. You're something special. You have so much talent. You, I appreciate you. Say it. Don't, don't hope that he assumes that it doesn't get the wrong message. Say it. Be very clear about it. And then, without saying the word but, you go on to explain you know, what you're okay with and what you're not okay with. And hopefully he'll be able to see that it's not a contradiction at all. Now, of course, whenever you make a rule, whatever the rule may be, whether it's two hours or one hour or no hours, it's definitely important to make sure that um, there's something he could handle. Right? And, and something you could change if you have to. It shouldn't be something that he won't be able to tolerate. And again, you have to take everything into consideration. So every, that's, that's definitely where it becomes um, case by case. And that's, that's in general. It's not only with a child who has special needs. It's with every child. You want to make sure that whatever you're doing is, is, makes sense. And it's doable so that he doesn't break the rules later. And then you're at fault for doing something that causes him to break the rules. And interestingly, you know, that's halucha. The idea of Lufna'iva, that you're not allowed to hit a child who's too old and he might hit you back. It's aloch and shachnura. Don't do something that's gonna that's too hard for him, you know, to, to do the right thing. So that's that's also something. Um, now you'd be surprised, and this is something we're we're very often when it comes to situations. It's always important to remember. You'd be surprised how much more there is to do. In other words, and I don't mean this question at all. Very often we, we hit a, we hit a brick wall. We're dealing with a difficult situation, and we start maneuvering around the brick wall instead of realizing maybe maybe it's not as brick as you think. What I mean to say is like this. Sometimes we make peace with the fact that he's just not doing well in yeshiva and have to work with entertaining him. Or um, we, I make peace with the fact that nothing else interests him and it's only the computer. Now I have to start um, figuring out how much and how little and, and how to do it. 
very often when you brainstorm and you put your head to it, and I don't mean only at once, like it's going to fall into your head right away, but constantly, you're always looking for new ways. You always, and there are people that are very, um, very, uh, very good at problem solving. They always come up with new ways to, to deal with things. They always come up with new ideas. They're innovative and creative. You, you'd be surprised that if you keep on putting your head to it and keep on discussing it and keep on brainstorming with your wife, with someone else, with a friend, even with your son, Maybe there are ways to get it back to Yeshiva to feel good. Maybe it's by talking to his Magachir. Maybe it's by talking to his Chavrusa. Maybe it's by talking to someone else. Maybe it's by talking to a friend. Maybe it's by helping him in advance. Maybe it's by teaching him the material before he goes. Maybe it's by seeing if there's somewhere else he wants to go. When you start brainstorming, you'll see maybe, maybe you're dealing with a situation that, that is more solvable and not so stuck. And, and the same thing as the other, you know, when he's staying home. Maybe there is more he could do. No, I already gave him five ideas. Nothing's good. Maybe there's a sixth and an eighth and a hundredth. Maybe when you say it, it's no good. Maybe when someone else will tell them it's going to be good. Maybe when he feels like someone needs his help, he'll do the same thing that you asked him to do because now he feels good doing it. Maybe there's someone else who could talk to him. Maybe there's something new he can come up with. Maybe I, I, I don't know. I don't know. All I know is that most situations, most, when Hashem's help, you put your head to it and you try hard, you can come up with something that could change the situation and not just work within it. So it's always good to be creative and brainstorm and look out of the box and see what could we do and what could be done to make things better, to have more options. And automatically, you're not, you're not left anymore with, with, you know, between the rock and the hard place trying to figure out, how do I make this work? It doesn't have to be that this has to work. It could be it doesn't have to be this. So I, I know it's not easy. So just to recap, there are, there are out-of-the-ordinary situations that have to be dealt with as exceptions. There are special needs kids that have to feel really special. You're allowed to have your guidelines and stick to them and make sure... And, and be sure to make sure that they don't interpret incorrectly as someone being a failure. And then there's the part of I thinking out of the box, maybe things could really change. And with Hashem's help, you know, every child, everyone has to be able to be Matzliach. Life shouldn't send down any mistakes. Everyone has their own sense of Atzlocha, their own uh, definition of where they will be Matzliach in life. Sometimes that's the out of the box. Maybe he doesn't have to fit into this box. And in this box, there aren't that many other options. But maybe out of the box there are. I don't know. And it's hard to talk in public about, about all the different options that are out there for, for a boy. You know, for some boys, we don't want to know those options. Some boys have to have those options. So what Hashem's help, with a lot of set, the Shema, a lot of tefillah, you know, when we, when we give these boys the feeling they need, and they don't feel that they could be one day good, they have a lot of potential, we believe they might one day, they are good. And you find all the reasons to show them how good he is already, that Emes Hashem will help him bring you the Emes Anachis to come to his Atzlocha and to grow up to be what he really could be with Hashem's help.